Oh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Me and my fancy desk. My grandma's Bible. 1968, grandma got this Bible. Isn't that cool? Whenever you hold on to, there's the word of God that's passed down from generation to generation. And uh, sometimes I have, I just got to glean through it because grandma wrote a bunch of notes and, and the mom added some notes over time. But the word of God is just special, amen? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my best Charles Stanley imitation here. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Some of y'all got that, some of you didn't. He sits down and preaches. Anyway, have you guys turned it up a little bit? Okay, okay. Because this is what I was thinking about. I, I really enjoy those that, uh, that, that say amen when they don't even know what they're amening. You've been around those people? Some of you are those people. I could just say something random. Exactly. I could just be like, you know, a unicorn's going to be at the buffet under the palm tree. And you'd be like, amen, glory. I like you people. That's the people that I want amen in this morning. Now, some of you people are more, you know, you're definitely paying attention. Like, you know, and when you do an amen, it's like the amen. That kind of depresses people like me. You know, I get emotional. But it is good to, to take the pulpit and... Um, the other day when pastor asked me to, to preach and he told me that they were going on vacation, I began to seek the Lord. And, you know, we've been in this great um, study of the word the last probably, I don't know, month. that We've really been focusing on the Bible and the uh, why do we study the Bible? Why do we get in the word and what are we studying? And uh, we're on the 40-day journey. If you're not on the 40-day plan with us, please, it's not too late to jump on board. We still have cards down here. It's an awesome thing to see church family that's reading the same thing you're reading. Uh, Miss Debbie Shackelford made a good point. She said, it's powerful when you get a bunch of people reading the same thing every day and agreeing by faith and reading it out loud. God's just moving in the spiritual realm with that. So I encourage you. Uh, I believe, yeah, we're on John chapter 1 today, John chapter 1 through uh, chapter 4. So if you hadn't got one of those, please link up with us and do it. We'll probably tag on another one after we finish this 40-day. But um God's word is powerful, amen? It's living and active. Hebrews chapter 4 says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. But I was in my office the other day, and um, I was trying to come up with what I was going to teach on for Wednesday night to the youth and this Sunday. And I was really having a hard time. I was struggling a little bit. I knew I wanted it to coincide to what pastor's been talking about and what I've been talking about to the students on Wednesday night about the importance of just getting into God's word. And how many of you uh, ever just get frustrated and angry in prayer sometimes? All of you are liars. Okay. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's frustrating, right, when you feel like your prayers are just hitting the wall, hitting the ceiling, and they're not going anywhere. Okay? And I was in one of those modes, and I just began to wrestle with God. How many know it's okay to wrestle with God? Okay? And I just began to, to wrestle with the Lord. And I, spent, I told Pastor, I spent about 20 to 25 minutes just not screaming, but if you walked by my office, you'd think that something wrong was going on because I was, my voice was a little louder. And I was just wanting, I was wanting and desiring a word from God this Sunday so bad that I was that desperate. And after about 25 minutes, I just stopped. And how many of you know sometimes it's good to just stop and listen? Okay? And I just stopped and listened. And immediately, I'm not kidding you, um, God just began to download things. I'm a big dry erase board guy, so I got a dry erase board in my office, and I just began to write what he was telling me. So that's what you're going to receive this morning is exactly what God spoke to me to tell you this morning. Isn't that good? Isn't that good that I'm not going to... Um, Associate pastors preaching for pastor.com and get a sermon. Um, aren't you glad I'm not going to youth.com to get a youth pastor sermon? Because that is very easy. If you hadn't figured that out, it's very easy to do. And, uh, but that's what I love about that church. We want, about this church, is we want a word from God. Amen. A word in season. So this is straight from the Lord. And uh, this is going to be a very practical message, a very easy message. And I believe that this message is for all areas of life. Because I know that there's some in here that you have a healthy, healthy time in the Word daily. You get in the Scriptures, and you know what you're reading, and you're writing down, and you're just feeding off of God's Word. I know that some of you fit in that category, but I also know that some of you fit in that category of you're wanting to get into God's Word, but you just don't know where to start. It's frustrating because as soon as you open it, you don't understand the first word you say. Okay, how many of you have ever been there? Okay, can we just be honest? I, I was there at one point. And then there's those that don't even know where to start. You don't even know how to open the scriptures. You know, we've heard the statement so many times in the past month or so, and I say it a lot. We live in the most biblically illiterate generation in the history of the world. 
And it doesn't make any sense because we have more resources than we've ever had in the history of the planet. You can go to anything, any device, any place and find scripture, find concordances, find study guides. But for whatever reason, we're still an illiterate generation. And you say, well, you're a youth pastor. You're talking about the youth. I'm not talking about the youth. I'm talking about the adults. I'm talking about grown men. I'm talking about grown women. I'm talking about grandmas and grandpas. We see it all the time. I encounter people daily that have no idea where to start in the scriptures. So for those of you that it's hard for you to imagine, those of you that come from that unbelievable generation, um, that it, it, was, it was not odd for a family to come together and get into God's word. That was a good generation, amen? And we should honor those men and women. But for, for if you don't think that, that that's a true statement, man, hang out with me a little while. And, and let's go talk to some of these people that I talk to and pastor talks to, where it's just the basic things are not being known. No clue even how to turn to a book in the Bible. And that's hard for us Christians to believe. But the honest truth, we were just honest there's some of you in here that would have a hard time just opening this book and knowing where to go and what to read. And I want to address that today. We've talked about the why, we've talked about the what, but today I want to talk about how do we study our Bible? How do we study our Bible? Now, for some of you theologians and some of you angelic hosts that are in your Bible 10 hours a day and you've memorized the Old and the New Testament, this is still for you, amen? Because how many of you know that your Bible study time can get stale? How I many of you know that your time in the Word sometimes can just be reading and you don't even know what you just read? So I want this to apply to everybody here. And I want every single person to walk out of here with a better understanding of how to get into God's Word. Can we do that? Can we do that? So get your Bible out and turn to Luke, the book of Luke. Luke chapter 9 is where we're going to begin. And it's not a main text. But I want to pray before we get into the Word. A couple weeks ago, I made the statement I failed over the years in youth ministry sometimes of trying to teach the kids how to rebuild the transmission before I even teach them how to put the key in the ignition. And that's no different with adults. It's no different with adults. I come encounter with at least three grown people this week that just, they hunger for it, but they don't even know where to start. That's the kind of society we live in. We need to fix that. Amen. We need to fix that today. So let's pray that this word will just, once again, whether you're a seasoned Christian in the word or you're, you're longing to want to be in the word, let's pray that you receive this message and it not be my words, but it be his and, and the Lord will be glorified through it. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. It is alive, God. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would open up our ears to receive it. I pray, God, that you would use me as a vessel, Father God. Lord, let it be your words and not mine. And God, open up hearts and minds as we read your scripture. I pray, God, that you would just reveal things to us, Father, that we may, might have not even known, not even applied to our life up to this point. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. So there's four things today, and I don't have a title of this message, and I'm not going to flash the scripture up on the board because I want us to go to the scripture. How many of you know that's important? Yeah. I know we live in this iPhone generation and, and where it's easy to do this. And, and, but here's a, a quick point for those of you that are wanting to get in the Word of God and you're not familiar how to. Don't start on your phone. Start in the book where you know where the book is and you know where the chapter is and you know where the verse is. But I want to look at four answers to that question of how do I study my Bible? How do I study my Bible? Very simple. The first one, everybody say daily. 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 Luke chapter 9, let's look at it. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Come on, I want to challenge you. Go to every, we've got a lot of scriptures, okay? I'm going to hit you with a lot of scripture. I want you to go to them with me because that's part of the exercise, amen? amen? Come on, that's part of the exercise. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, Jesus speaking, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. How many of you know when you get into the word of God, when you get into this living book, you're taking up your cross. When you wake up and the first thing that you do is open this word, you're taking up your cross. You're letting Jesus know first and foremost that you're the main thing in my life immediately right off the bat. 
daily. Don't take up your cross weekly. How many of you know we got a lot of people that take up their cross weekly? I used to be one of those people. Or even monthly or even yearly on the holidays. But Jesus said, take up your cross daily. Daily. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. How do I study my Bible? You got to get into it daily. Verse 46. Acts chapter 2. And I'll wait because I want us, once again, I want you to get there. If you've got to look in the front of your Bible to find out where the book is, that's fine. We've got to get to a place where we're doing the simple, basic things before, before we get into, well, I want to study Revelation and Leviticus. Well, you don't even know where the book of John is. So we're going to skip Leviticus and Revelation and we're going to focus on the book of John. Amen. I'm telling you, church family, that's what we deal with today. That's what we deal with. People come in and they want to talk about the end times, but they have no idea about the Gospels. They don't know where to start when it comes to the cross. All they want to talk about is the Antichrist, and all they want to talk about is who's coming tomorrow and when we should get in the bunker and all these things, and they don't know the Gospels. we got to start at Jesus, amen? amen. Daily. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of the heart. The early church had it. They knew what church meant. Amen? They met together daily. They broke bread. When I think about breaking the bread, I think about getting into the Word of God. Breaking bread with others is important. Yes, your time alone, you need that time alone and you need that time with God, but don't be afraid to link up with a Bible study. Don't be afraid to link up with a friend and sit down and read the Word of God daily. Amen? They met daily. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. People at Berea. I like this. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. It says, These were, four, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. We live in a generation where it doesn't matter if it's on TV, at a revival, at a conference. On a, and, and what, as long as it says church, then whatever's coming out of this pulpit or a pulpit on TV or a pulpit down the road is the truth and nothing but the truth. How many of you know sometimes that's dangerous? How many of you know Paul tells us to be careful? I mean, you know that Paul tells us to take what whoever is, is teaching and preaching, take it and go home and look at it yourself. Now, thank the Lord we have a pastor that is biblically trained. He is, he's doctrinal. We get in the word. But listen, don't take it for granted that we have an awesome pastor that knows the word of God. Get in it for yourself. Take those notes that, that you have on Sunday morning and look at it Monday and Tuesday. And then what you get on Wednesday, look at it Thursday and Friday daily to know what's coming out of the pulpit. Amen. I expect you to do that with my message today because I could be giving you just a bunch of baloney. You don't know. But Berea, the people in Berea said daily. They searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Go over to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12. And 13, that's where, I'm, that's where I'm at right now with my children. I'm trying to get them in a pattern, in a cycle daily that they're, they're not just getting the bread from dad. They're not just getting that coming in the room and son, let me read you the scriptures. But I'm challenging them to memorize scripture every day. And, and, and I've got to continue to do a better job of it. But I, I want them to understand the importance of opening up that book every single day. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. It says, beware, brethren, lest there be any of you in the evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another, say it, daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. All we got is today, amen? All we have is right now. It's the living word of God. If we don't need it, if we don't know it, we need to get in it today. Listen, I've been a youth pastor for 10 years. This is what you hear. Well, I'll just wait until I'm married. Well, I'll just wait till I'm grandma and grandpa. Well, I'll just wait till I get older. What does that mean? That's the society that we've created. That's what that means. We have to teach this generation, starting in the nursery, that it's their responsibility to get into the Word of God now. Amen? Amen? Not wait until you're 30, 40, 50, 60. 
If anything, your mind gets a little bit less sharp. <laughs> I, was a lot, I was a lot more sharper probably when in my late teens and early 20s, but I didn't get in the Word of God. I waited. We need to get in the Word today. Go back to Psalm 61. Come on, stay with me. Stay with me. Psalm 61. Come on, if the Scripture gets boring, we've got problems. Amen? Let me say it again. If the Scripture gets boring, we've got problems. We're in a culture where we want to hear man's ideas and philosophies more. We want to hear God's word. Come on. Aren't you glad you're a part of a church that doesn't have a 60-minute message with one verse? Amen. Come on. I've been in those churches. I've been in those churches where it was somebody speaking for 60 minutes and it was all their thoughts and all their opinions and not even, barely a verse. Come on, I want the scripture. Psalm 61 and 8. So I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my vows. How many of you know we're in a covenant marriage with Jesus Christ? When you got married, you had vows. How many of you know when you accepted Jesus, your Lord and personal Savior, you committed vows to each other? Daily vows. I don't skip my vows with my wife. I don't say, well, I'm a chase. I don't say, well, I'm going to love her Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That'd be good. No, it won't, by the way. They just got married. Seven days a week. No, I said, every day. I made a vow with my wife. Sickness and health. Well, honey, I'm not feeling good today. I don't think I'm going to work. Uh, I got the flu. Well, I hate you today, and I'll love you tomorrow when you're healthy. No, it doesn't work like that. Daily, daily, your vows with Christ. Daily in God's word. Psalm 68, 19. Psalm 68, 19. I want to ingrain this word daily. This is one of the most important things. Psalm chapter 68, verse 19. Come on, we do everything else daily. We brush our teeth. We take a shower, some of us. I got lazy this weekend. So, I'm confessing. Verse 19, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Let me say it again. Blessed be the name of the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. He's doing his part. Every single day your heart is beating. Every single day, your eyes are opening. Every single day, there's words on your mouth. Every single day, there's a job. Every single day, there's income. He's doing his part, amen? Come on, we got to do our part. Daily, daily. I love what the New King James Version says. Daily loads us with benefits. Loads. Not just a little sprinkle, but he loads you with benefits. But we can't even get into his word. Come on, daily. Daily. The importance of daily breaking bread with the Father, amen? Let's go on to the second one. How do I study my Bible? Make it a priority. Everybody say priority. Go to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. You got to make it a priority. You got to prioritize. What's important in my life? What do I put at A and what do I put at C and D and E? What do I put at 1 and what do I put at 12? I got to prioritize. Luke chapter 8, verse 19. Jesus' mother and brothers come to him. Verse 19 says, Then his mother and brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told him by some who said, Your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered and said to them, My, brother, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Jesus is establishing a pattern here. A prioritizing pattern. Go over to the next chapter in chapter 9. A lot of people read these verses and they get kind of offended at Jesus. Luke chapter 9 verse 57. The Bible says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Makes sense. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Some people read that scripture and say, man, Jesus, he's brutal. He, he won't even let this guy bury his dad. He won't even. That's not the point that God wants us to get as the reader. 
The point is that Jesus is number one, family's number two. Come on, somebody. Come on, we have, we have confessing Christians that they have a hard time letting go of that. We have, we have confessing Christians that have a hard time letting go just in a, a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. Come on, I, I am very adamant about my wife, my beautiful wife, with all the earthly love that I have in me. I love more than anything except Jesus. She's a strong two. And my children are a strong three. And some people will hear that and go, what are you talking about? Jesus is my priority. The word of God is my priority. Before I get up and rise up and call my family blessed, I've got to open up this scripture and give him praise and glory. Amen? Before I do anything for my children, before I do anything for my pastor, for my church, I've got to give him what he deserves daily, and I've got to make it a priority. Amen? Come on, if we would... Those people that are clapping, those people, they don't even know what I just said, but they're like, yeah! Unicorns, palm trees, woo! Praise God. Listen, listen, listen. We got to get this. This is, man, I just, two plus two is four. That's where I'm at with my walk with Jesus because we make it two plus two is 50 and it's not, it's four, it's four. Jesus has got to be our number one and everything else has got to be two. If we, if, if some of us in this room would give as much passion and desire and want to and longing that we give our spouse and we gave that to the Lord, your relationship with Jesus Christ would be Radical. Radical. Some of you are unbelievable husbands and unbelievable moms and unbelievable wives. But some of you are missing it. You're missing it. The priority's got to be Jesus. And, and, and mamas and daddies, listen to me. You want to talk about priorities? These teenagers, all it takes is for a young boy or a young girl, it's, it's, it's gone on forever to just show a little bit of interest in there. Immediately, this person has went from not even knowing this person to number one. And that's a dangerous thing, teenagers. That's a dangerous thing when you put anybody above Christ. Anybody. We got to prioritize. We got to prioritize. Look at verse 62. I love this verse. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. When I start my day, I've got to put my hands on the plow. When I open this book, I've got to put my hands on the plow. And I can't look back. I've got to realize that this is my priority to start my day. That is my priority to start my day. I can't put my hands on the plow on Sunday morning and then take them off on Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, and then come back and put my hands back on the plow on Wednesday. My hands have got to be on the plow every single day. Every single day. But we live in a culture that's not. We're lucky to even have hands on the plow in this culture, in this day and time. Go to John chapter 1, verse 1. Familiar. Hopefully it's familiar. John chapter 1, verse 1. I told somebody this the other day. And you might just think it's a little bit too radical. That's just the way I work, and it's effective because I'm led by the Spirit. Nothing else. But I said, you know what? My wife didn't die on the cross for me. My sons didn't spill their blood for me. Come on. My boyfriend, my girlfriend didn't spill blood on a cross 2,000 years ago for me. My job didn't spill blood. My church didn't spill blood 2,000 years ago. My hobby, my toys at home, my Xbox, my iPhone, come on, somebody. Didn't spill blood for me 2,000 years ago, but my Jesus did. And he gets all of my attention. He gets all of my attention. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Plain and simple. The Word is God. The Word is God. I take that as it is. 2 plus 2 is 4. The Word is God. If I don't get into this word, if I don't prioritize this word daily, what is my relationship with God? It's weak. It's non-existent. It's vulnerable. It opens me up to dangers that this world throws all over me. I guarantee you 99.99999% of the people that walk through those doors on a weekly basis that we help with benevolence, that we help with food pantry, and dare I say anybody that walks through that door, whether they're involved in a church or not, doesn't know the scripture doesn't know the scripture 
They don't know how to prioritize. They don't know how to get into the word of God daily. Mary had her priorities straight. Martha didn't. Mary had her priorities straight. Martha didn't. Martha had good intentions. She's cleaning the house because Jesus was coming. I want the house to look good. But Mary had it prioritized. Doesn't matter what the house looks like. Doesn't matter what's going on to my right or to my left, straight or behind. Jesus is coming and I'm going to sit at his feet. I'm going to prioritize my day. No matter if I got a date, no matter if a TV program's coming on, no matter if the hogs are playing, no matter if my kids got 57 soccer games in one day, no matter what's going on in my life, I've got to prioritize and I got to sit at his feet before I do anything. The third answer to the question, how do I study my Bible? Daily, prioritize. And number three, limit the distractions. You got to limit the distractions. You don't know what a disease, you know what the biggest disease is? I don't think it's cancer. I don't think it's, I I think, I don't think it's diabetes. I I think it's distractions for Christians. Apparently some of y'all ain't getting that. But let's just be really simple. Let's, let's go back to children's church here. Let's just get real. Let's put that there because I need that going. I need this for sure going. Hang on, that's not enough. I got to get something else going. All right, got to get that there because I definitely can't let go of that. That's the Holy Grail. Okay, that's the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, all right. Y'all living in the same place I'm living in? I'm just, I'm being real. Can we be honest? Can we quit playing like it's something? Let's get a book, magazine, okay? Oh, we can't forget this. Talking about the Holy Grail. Oh, dear God. Can't forget that. (laughs) Whatever, by the way. You know what I mean? Anyway. How do I study my Bible? You have to limit the distractions. We got to get above and beyond the point where we think when we go into our room and we open this that we're studying the Word of God. Okay? Got to get beyond that point. First of all, it's important to have a place in your home that you can go to. Amen? Whether it be a kitchen, I, I, when I do pre marriage counseling, that's one of the big things I harp on is finding a place in your house where you could sit down and be alone. Jesus said, Get into your closet. And what you do in secret, he will be, you will be rewarded openly. Get in your closet. If your closet's an office, get there. If it's your bedroom, get there. But when you get there, make sure you don't have 17 things going on at once. Well, you know, the Bible's on the iPad and the phone and the laptop. So I'm getting more of the Bible. No, you're getting a text message on the iPhone. You're getting a reminder of... Uh, uh, now there's 100 likes for your selfie that you took yesterday on top of Sugarloaf. Because uh, God forbid us not get to that 100 mark on likes. You know, the world's going to come to an end. If somebody don't get on there and look at my selfie picture and like me. You're thinking about the football game because the hogs are going to crush Texas Tech? Listen, if there's one person in this room that fits that category I was talking about earlier, bam, right there. And that's why I love him. That's why, that's why I love him. But you got all these things going on, and then, okay, I'm going to get into the Word of God, and I'm just going to sit down, and it's my quiet place, and you got your door open, and there's 47 kids at your house because there's been sleepovers, and you just got other kids, and you got a kid that, that, that is really loud, and you got boys that run around in their underwear, and, and you just got all kinds of things going on. Okay, John, I'm going to start in John. Yeah! Yeah, John, okay, right there. Oh, he liked it. Yes, 57 likes. Okay, okay. All right, right there. All right, and then I got I to check the scores. I got to check the scores because the hogs are playing right there, all right? Here we go. Got to rub that for a second. Got to do your superstitious thing. And then, and then man, it's almost hunting season, so I got I to gotta find out what kind of gun that I need. Oh, yeah, John chapter 1. The word became flesh. Touchdown! Word became flesh in the... And the, and the twin, and yes, I will pick up the kids. Yes, I will cook dinner. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then you get up and walk away, and you feel like you've accomplished something. And the only thing that you've accomplished is distraction. That's all you've accomplished. When Jesus said, get into your closet, find a place where you and him can commune together, he meant shut everything off. 
He meant to tell your family it's going to have to wait. He meant that you're going to have to tell your wife, your husband, that's just going to have to wait for a second because I hadn't spent time with the father. That's going to have to be signing off of Facebook, which some of y'all hadn't done in 10 years. Let's talk about that. My pastor stood up here a month or two ago. Actually, I think he was right here, and he looked me and Shane in the face, and he said, you guys are going to be held at a higher standard for what you teach these people. And I took it personally. I took it personally. Because let me tell you something. It's not sex, drugs, and rock and roll anymore. It's killing this, this country. It's not. It's distractions. It's distractions. I have to specifically, I've had to specifically plan, take numerous amounts of time over probably the last five years, especially in youth ministry, to come up with a strategic way to get their attention. Not because they come from a divorce home anymore, not because their mom or dad beat them the night before anymore. It's because they got all these things going on. But it's not just the students anymore, it's the adults. I've seen some of the adults way more addicted than the kids. Way more addicted than the kids. Simple math. If you spend eight hours, you know what the, it's a statistic, an updated statistic that the average American adult, man or woman, spends 8.5 hours a day in media. Well, that's not me. <laughs> Whatever. 8.5. Come on. I sit and watch that three and a half hour. Well, actually, I T-vote. This is quicker. Two and a half hour, three hour football game yesterday, which is fine. But you understand where I'm going with that? If you spend eight and a half hours checking your social status, <laughs> random file, and you don't break bread with the Father, and then you come into the church house wanting me or Pastor or Shane or Brent to fix your problems, how can we? How can we? Me paying another bill is not going to fix your situation. All I simply can do is say, you got to read this. Some, there's three or four couples in here I married, and you can ask them. That's what I, that's what I said. This has got to be the foundation. Jesus spoke the parable of the solid foundation. If you build the house without a foundation, it will fall. When the wind comes and the storm comes, it will crumble. There's no maybe, it will crumble. But if you build it on a solid foundation, the solid foundation is daily. The solid foundation is priority. The solid foundation is wiping away the distractions. It will withstand. Husbands and wives, your marriage is on the fins. But you still won't get off Facebook. You still won't get rid of that laptop that probably shouldn't be in that office because typically there's only one person in there and there's no accountability. Come on, please, somebody. You know what's going to fix your marriage? is when you and Tammy sit down at the kitchen table and break bread together. Or it's when you, come on, men, it's hunting season. You know what that means? That means this goes away for a long time. That means this just becomes just something in the way of our guns. Come on, men. I want to be a part of generation. I want to be guilty of challenging men. Men, we got to rise up. We got to rise up. You want to talk about an illiterate generation? It's the males. It's the males of this culture. I'm just being honest with you. You know who comes to my Bible study on Tuesdays? And I know this might not. If you work, this doesn't apply to you, women. Sorry, Dwayne. Dwayne comes. You know who comes to the prayer meetings? Women. I'm just being honest. Can I? I want to be guilty. I want to be guilty of preaching the right thing when I take this pulpit and challenging my church family because I know I got my back of my church family. As long as I stick to that word, I'm not going to offend anybody. It shouldn't offend. Well, actually, it is offensive. But you should take that as a positive thing. Distractions. 
distraction. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I feel like I'm getting somewhere now. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You want your life to get better? Get in the Word of God. Study the Scriptures. It's the only answer. I don't want another 12-step book written. Thank God for resources, but that's the last thing we need is another audio CD that I can hand you so you can get a little bit more motivated of opening your eyes in the morning and open up the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35. I got a smile. Y'all didn't remind me of that. Verse 25, 35. <laughs> chapter 35. I felt that thing going right there that my wife always gets mad at me about. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35. I love Paul. Paul, I love Paul. New Living Translation says, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Whatever it takes. If it means you need to get that TV out of that bedroom. If it means you need to shut down that computer. If it means you need to sell that boat. If it is getting in the way of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Do it. Don't let it be a distraction. How many of you know that distractions are not just bad things? There's good things that can be distractions. Listen, phones are good and, and sometimes and, and iPads and, and football is great and fishing's great and all that stuff. But if you replace it with the time you should be spending with the Lord, it's a distraction. It's a distraction. A more drastic example, it's recorded in each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, John 18. Turn there now, quickly. No, I'm just kidding. I was going to test some of you. I'm surprised Tim didn't say, Amen! Amen. Peter, they were coming to get Jesus. Judas was about to kiss him. Poor Peter. Peter got distracted a lot, amen? Instead of fixing his eyes on Christ... He drew his sword and he cut off the ear of the soldier. What did Jesus say? Oh, you great job, Peter. Right on. No, Jesus said, watch this. Bam, fixed it, and then got on to Peter. He took his eyes off of Christ. He took his eyes off the word. Remember John 1? Verse 14 says, the word became flesh, Jesus, and dwelt among us. He took his eyes off the word. He saw the distraction instead of Jesus. Come on, he saw the distraction instead of Jesus. He saw the distraction instead of Jesus and he reacted. That's what happens. That's why we have so much violence. That's why we have so much abuse is because our eyes are not fixed on Christ. We're focused on the distraction. When you're focused on the distraction, a negative outcome will happen. It will happen. Peter, once again, in Matthew chapter 14, let's turn there. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse 27. When my day is up, when my number is called, whether it be today or whether it be 80 years from now, the most important thing to me is going to be what I want people to say about me is he loved the scriptures. He got in the word. He valued his time with the word. He valued his time in the word. Matthew chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus is walking on the water. People are freaking out. Verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Careful what you ask for. So he said, come on. I want to know what Peter's mind went through in that moment. Hey, really? I'm just kidding. Seriously. I was just checking to see if, you know, you're paying attention. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water. Yay. Y'all know what that's like? When you get in the scriptures for about seven days straight, feels good. You're walking on the water. You're like, I'm a theologian. This is great. Some of y'all have read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and you're like, man, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to preach now. I, hey, we'll let you. He was like, I walk on water. Verse 30, but then, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
When you begin to open this book and when you begin to study the scriptures like you're supposed to, life will not all of a sudden turn perfect. You will have wind, you will have rain, you will have thunderstorms. More than likely, it'll be a little bit more drastic because there's certain somebody out there that hates when you commune with the Father. So you might get up from your clear desk with no distractions and feel revived and renewed, which you will. And you might walk out and there might be a fire on the stove. <laughs> Been there recently. There might be a kid coming, handing you a diaper. It should have been on, but it's not. And now it didn't look like it did when you put it on. You might go out to the mailbox and think, oh, I've read seven chapters today. There's going to be seven winning lottery tickets in my mailbox right now. I speak that in Jesus' name. And you'll open up the mailbox and it's bills that you didn't even know you had. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Don't say, well, I'm not going to read the word in the morning because it didn't do what it needed to do. It's going to accomplish what it's set out to accomplish. Why do you think your pastor wants you to speak it when you read it? It's power. That means when you walk out of the house and you spoke the word of God, you spoke the, the, the word, the scriptures over and over again, and you walk out and you're in your, you know, it's, it's, it's in your heart and it's bubbling up. John chapter 6, verse 57. I live because of the living Father who lives in me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live, Jesus said. When you just come out, and it doesn't matter what's thrown at you, it's still going to sting, it's still going to be hard, it's still going to be tough, but man, you're going to get through it because you've planted that word inside of you. You studied the scriptures. It's Him. You've been with Jesus. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. We can sit in front of a computer screen for hours upon hours, we can watch sports hours upon hours, we can look at our iPhones hours upon hours upon hours. And 15 minutes into a Bible study, we complain about our eyes being hurt. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, we referenced it just a second ago. Now it happened as they went, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. It's a good call. Good move, Martha. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Is serving bad? How many know that you can serve in ministry for 40, 50 years and miss it? How many knows you can be in ministry and completely miss it? And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. Not seven, not two, not three. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Every day, every minute, every second that you spend with Jesus in God's word, he honors it. He honors it. He honors it. Limit the distractions. You're frustrated with your Bible study time? Limit the distractions. Limit the distractions. And number four, Four easy answers to the question, how do I study my Bible? Daily, prioritize, limit the distractions. And number four, time management. Time management. It doesn't matter what your profession is. It doesn't matter if you've been married 70 years or two. We all have the same amount of time every day. Every single day. Nobody's different. Nobody's different when it comes to that. 24 hours in a day. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 King James Version says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How are we going to rightly divide God's word when the only time that we open it is when our pastor tells us to open it on Wednesday night and Sunday morning? The only time that you get into God's word is when you're hearing it be spoken from somebody else. Time management. How much time am I investing in the study of Scripture? Do I spend more time watching the news than I do studying God's Word? Listen, I know what's going on in this world, okay? Joyce Myers slash Megyn Kelly lives in my upstairs house, okay? <laughs> Listen, you want to see a woman um, 
what, what's the proverb? Um, the woman with the, uh, you sh- you're better off on the roof. Better to dwell, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take away my mom's Fox News and all heck will break loose. But I can stand here and tell you that my mom spends more time in, in the Word than she does Fox News. So it's okay to watch news. It's okay. Manage your time. Don't sit in front of that tube and get carried away with hours upon hours upon hours of useless programming and forget that you haven't spent five minutes in the Word of God. You know why we live in a biblically literate generation? Because nobody opens it. Come on. There are fathers in this room right now Once again, they're great fathers and they're great human beings, but they don't open the scriptures. There's young people in this room. They do great things and they make straight A's, mom and dad, but they don't open the scriptures. There's wonderful mothers and wives in this building right now, but they don't open the scriptures. Time management. Luke chapter 24. I'm almost done. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 30. Great story, the road to Emmaus. Jesus comes up upon some of his disciples and they're just kind of frustrated and saddened about what had happened and all they can focus on is the negative and Jesus just walks up right up on them and starts talking with them. They don't even know it's Jesus. Verse 30. Until, the Bible says, Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. We're so caught up and engulfed in sadness and anxiety and worry and pain and heartache and what I didn't do last year and what I should have done that we don't even realize that we're walking with the Savior. We don't even realize that He's right next to us. We're so distracted by social media and TV and events and activities as parents trying to get our son and daughter to this game and to that game and to that sporting event, trying to be good parents that this culture wants us to be because we know it's the living or the American dream. And Jesus is walking right with us and we don't even realize it. Notice when they realized it was Jesus. When the bread was broken. When the bread was broken, the eyes of their understanding was open. You got to break the bread. You got to break the bread. Coming to church, playing that game that we all are good at. Perfect Sunday school attendance. Maybe even a Sunday school teacher. You've helped build the church for some, so many years but you've never truly broken the bread. And all that time he's been walking with you, and that all that time you've completely ignored it and didn't even know it. You might be a young person, young in the faith. You're just confused. You won't see him until the bread is broken. You won't know him until the bread is broken. And when the bread is broken, the eyes of your understanding will be open. Romans chapter 13, verse 11 If you hadn't figured it out, I don't care what time it is. <laughs> Romans chapter 13, verse 11. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. 
church family, it's time. I've got my words, just about the only thing that's my words on this whole thing of notes. You got to be honest with yourself. 20-something-year-old, are you truly honest with yourself? 40-year-old dad, great husband, are you truly honest with yourself? When's the last time you broke bread with the father? Mom, when's the last time you broke bread? I didn't say when the last time you came to a revival was. I didn't say what the last time you watched something on VTN. I said, when's the last time you broke bread with the Father? Teenager, when's the last time you opened the scriptures and broke bread with the Father? It's time for us to wake up and quit sleeping. Quit sleeping. Beautiful story of two Muslim girls, and I might have told it, but I'll tell it again. I think it was northeast section, New Jersey, that area. Two Muslim girls got radically saved and accepted Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. They began to break bread and get into the scriptures, and they started hanging around with their Assembly of God girlfriends at this Assembly of God church. True story. But two weeks into it, they were appalled. They were absolutely amazed at the lack of time spent in God's word from these American girls. And the girls that got radically saved, they used to be Muslim, came up to them and said, oh, we can't believe that you don't get into your word. They said, when we were Muslim, we got into the scriptures. It was mandatory. We got into the scriptures two hours a day. Two hours a day. If you told the American church that they had to get into the scripture two hours a day, we would have another Great Depression. Because we don't have two hours. We don't have an hour. Because I got to do this. Got to do this. Got to do that. Acts chapter 8. I promise I'm done. It's the last scripture. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Let's go with Aaron or Daryl. Could you join me or come up to the platform just play real softly in the background? Thank you, sir. Acts chapter 8. Verse 26. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. It's a great story. There was two questions that were posed that day. And there's two groups of people I want to speak to right now. Verse 26 says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. So the eunuch was reading the scriptures. Verse 29. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, watch what Philip says in verse 30. Do you understand what you are reading? Do you understand what you're reading? We get the question a lot, what can we do to make the church healthier? Well, I will tell you the last thing we need to do is sit around worrying about what color paint we got and what kind of lights we got and what kind of new technology we got because I think that's part of the reason we've got ourselves in the mess we're in right now because we've been more concerned kind of like back in David's time with David's seven brothers instead of David. God said, I care about the inside. I care about all that other flashy stuff. Philip said, do you understand what you are reading? Those of you that know how to study this, and you do it every day, and you prioritize it, and there's time management there, and you know how to block out the distractions, I need you to do something for me. And you know who you are. I need you to do something for me. I need you to come alongside of me and shake off all of the concern about what somebody's going to think. 
And I need you to be willing to go up to somebody and say, do you understand what you're reading? Let me help you. Because God never intended for you to be locked up in your office day in and day out and keep all that knowledge and all that awesome life to yourself. He intended for you to go out and make disciples. I need your help. Not only with these guys and girls. I need some of you mature, Bible-loving, Scripture-knowing people to just walk up to these guys and girls. Do you understand what you're reading? Let me help you. Verse 31. Look what the eunuch's response was. He said, how can I unless someone guides me? Let me go back to you, Phillips. Don't assume that just because somebody carries a Bible, that they're a student of the word. Don't just assume that just because somebody says they're a Christian on Facebook that they know the scripture because more than likely they don't. I want to be guilty of confronting somebody and saying, can I help you study the scripture? And, and somehow them being an embarrassing account. I'm, I'm okay with that because I don't want to be guilty of not doing that. The Bible says Philip was led by the spirit. When you've been in your closet and you've been with the father and the bread has been broken, the spirit is going to give you strength to do things like that. And you don't have to wait until you see him in the break room with the Bible open like this situation. The nuke was reading the scripture. A lot of times people are just sitting in the break room and they're just, you can just see it. You can just see that they're longing for something. Why not? A, can I show you a place in scripture that I think might help you? The eunuch's response was, how can I unless someone guides me? And watch what the eunuch did. And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch asked Philip to come sit up with him. So now let me talk to you, which I think is the majority of people. Let me talk to you who don't hardly ever break the bread of the scriptures. Be like this eunuch. Be honest. Put that pride aside, guys. Put that embarrassment of not knowing the scriptures aside. Let me tell you something. Ten years ago, your youth pastor slash associate pastor didn't know what he was doing. But I made a decision. And I got a notebook. Didn't know what I was doing. But the pride... I took off the pride and I took off all of that because I realized what was more important. And what was more important is my relationship with Jesus Christ. And it wasn't anybody else's opinion. And I got a notebook and I'd work third shift at Walmart and I'd go home and I'd spend a couple hours each morning before I went to sleep. And I wouldn't even know where I was going. I would just begin to go to the scriptures and begin to read them out loud and write, write them down. And then I'd write out prayers. I read some of them this week, just desperate prayers as a young man, just wanting more of God, not knowing what to do or how to do it. And then I was like the eunuch. I was willing to say, man, I need your help. Can you help me? Pastor, can you help me? Show me where this is. Show me where that is. Come sit up with me and show me what this means. But we're too stubborn and we're too selfish and we're still too caught up in pride and too distracted to do that. And you're missing a moment. You're missing a moment. You're missing a moment to strengthen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Come on, adults, you got to quit being so prideful. I see it in some people's eyes. I see it. You haven't opened up the scripture since you were a child. You may have never opened up the scripture. I'm not talking about your manhood. I'm not talking about you as a father, as a husband. I'm talking to you, your relationship with Jesus Christ. Wife, mom, when's the last time that you broke bread? 
We sit at this office every week. You know how many people weekly, Brother Billy, that come up here and say, let's get into the scripture. You know how many people do on average? Zero. Every once in a while. But you know, the majority of people that come through that door, they're desperate. They're wanting life, life everlasting. But until you break bread, until you come along somebody and say, let me help you. I remember those days. But this outweighed my pride and this outweighed my selfishness because I was desperate. Some of you in here are desperate. You're desperate. I know some of your situations, so I know for sure that some of you are desperate. And it's not just some teenagers. It's not just some 20-something-year-olds. It's 30, 40, 50, 60, 70-year-olds. And why are you desperate? Because the bread hasn't been broken. It hadn't been a priority. Way too many distractions. The only thing you do daily is brush your teeth. It's time for that to change, amen? It's time for that to change, amen? Listen, parents. I want my sons to be great athletes. I want my sons to be successful at this, that, and the other. But I would much rather my children desire and long for God's word than anything else. Because that's what's going to sustain them in this crazy jacked up world. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. That doesn't mean come to your pastors. That means come to him first. Stand to your feet this morning.